return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Because the fields are white for the harvest and we need laborers. Hallelujah. And then Thursday, ladies, Bible study here at 1030 as well. Well, last night uh, it was a great time. We had uh, uh, Pete Shore, myself, Isaac, and Steve Johnson came uh, downtown, and we witnessed at uh, the bars. Amen. And it was just a great. It was a great time. Um, just being there and seeing fruit that remained. Amen. Not that everybody was. You know, most people I thought were kind. If they rejected, they're like, no, thank you. There are some, you know, we got some colorful language occasionally. Um, but I tell you what, some people were hungry, and you could tell. You could tell that they were hungry for the gospel, even, though, even if they didn't know it, just by having conversations. Um, one guy who was uh, inebriated, I'm going to use the nice word, inebriated, he, uh, we prayed for him, and then he wanted to pray for us, you know. And, and so uh, it was just, uh, it was good, you know, but he just prayed for a blessing on our time there. And it was like, well, praise the Lord, you know. The Lord can use anybody, amen. And, and uh, you know, we, we don't go to throw our doctrine on somebody at, the, at downtown, amen. We don't, that's not how Christianity works, right? We, we go because we love people, we care about people. Everybody here has a ministry, and when you go out to do your ministry, it's not because you want to throw your doctrine on somebody, but no, it's because you care about them, you want them to go to heaven, and that's what being a Christian is, amen. We're following in Christ's footsteps to get people saved. And I thought, you know, Jesus, he spoke in the synagogues a lot, but he also did a lot of street ministries, traveled around street ministry, house to house, city to city. And he did that so that we could hear the gospel. Amen. Not just the people there, but for the ages to come could hear the gospel. And I thought, you know, if if he did that for me, why can't I do that for him? Amen. And uh, so it was just a, it was a great time. And, uh, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit tonight uh, you know, like I said, we ran into some people that, you know, weren't quite thrilled that we were out there. Um, but tonight, my title is "Loving People Who Don't Like You." So I wanted to put some. Oh yeah, we talked to yeah, talked to the police a little bit too. They were grateful. They were thankful that we were out there. Isaac knew somebody on the force out there. So amen. Um, but I wanted to put some mystery in my title tonight. So I titled it "Loving People Who Don't Like You." If you can't get what the message is about from that. Uh, you need some help, I think. But uh, let's just pray before we get started. Father, we thank you that we can be here tonight with you. Hallelujah, that your presence is full in this place, that it's touching people's lives and hearts. Lord, I thank you that you can speak through me tonight. Lord, help me not to mess it up, but to, but to say exactly what you want to say to your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. So again, tonight I want to talk about loving people who don't like you. Uh, notice it doesn't say loving people who you don't like. And maybe that'll be a topic for another time. But uh, I want to talk about loving people who don't like you. Amen. And, uh, you know, one thing we all 
know is we all have somebody, we all know somebody who isn't maybe thrilled to be around us. For whatever reason, probably, maybe that's not our fault, maybe it is, but somebody who doesn't really like you. And uh, I've told stories before, you know, at uh, my job back at Electronics, there was one lady who just did not like me. And, uh, and you know, the, at the time, the feeling was probably a little mutual. Uh, but the Lord really started showing me things back then about, okay, how can I still reach out to this lady and be kind and be uh, a, a light and a Christian to this lady, even though we don't have anything in common, we don't get along at all? How can I do that? And the Lord really started showing me things. And in Scripture, just uh, we're going to read through it, but in Luke, you know, you know, love your enemies, pray for those who hurt you. Um, you know, bless those who hurt you, pray for those who spitefully, spitefully use you. And so I did. I just started praying for this lady and little by little, it felt like our work relationship got a lot better, better and better and better. And I thought, wow, praise the Lord. You know, it's something that I didn't think would ever happen. And, uh, you know, we, we weren't best friends, but, but we could work together. Amen. And, and uh, you know, so I was like, praise the Lord. You know, we can, we can love people. Um, and we can even like people who don't like us, you know, or maybe even hate us for whatever reason. It is, and maybe it's something that happened in the past. Maybe it's an imaginary offense. Either way, how we respond to those people in our life is important. Amen? Because if we're going to reach everybody, um, then we need to reach the people that aren't our best friends, too, right? If we're going to reach everybody, we, can't, we wanna just, don't just want to reach, uh, reach the people that can tolerate us, but the ones that can't tolerate us as well. Amen? That's, that's the whole world. That's our whole sphere of influence. And uh, it could be the difference between somebody getting saved or saying lost. And then we want to always keep our options open. Um, we want to keep bridges built. We don't want to burn bridges with people. That's one reason I don't talk a lot about politics is because I want to save, you know, if, if I'm friends with somebody um, in the party that I'm not, I want to be able to talk with them and relate with them and um, have a good conversation about Christ, even though I don't maybe agree with them politically. Amen. And I think that's what Jesus did a lot. Amen. He, you know, uh, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Um, the Pharisees were political. Amen. Because Roman, because Rome had them in a high, high place and high stature. You remember uh, the Pharisee that said, you know, if we don't do something about this Jesus, we're going to lose both our title and our place given to us by the Romans. And so, uh, but Jesus, when Nicodemus came to him, he didn't scoff at him. He didn't tell him what you're doing is wrong. What did he do? He loved him. He answered questions. He fellowshiped with him. Amen. And, and that's one thing that we want to be able to do in our life. And the first thing that we need to understand is that we aren't fighting against people, even people that would call us enemies. Amen. Ephesians 6.12, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So our real enemy is, is Satan and his demons, right? And so when, we, when we, somebody wrongs us or hurts us, sometimes, a lot of times, our mind goes directly to, why did they do that, right? Well, we know that there's an antichrist spirit in the world already, and especially when it comes to things of faith, when, when we're being persecuted or wronged because of our faith, we know there's an antichrist spirit in the world that uh, doesn't want us to preach the gospel. He doesn't want us to, uh, to witness to people. And so we need to look at and we need to say, I know I'm not an enemy with this person, 
but I'm an enemy with the devil, and the devil hates me because the devil hated Jesus. Amen? And so we don't make our war against people. Hallelujah. You know, you maybe there's somebody in your family that you don't like, like a mother-in-law or, you know, a son-in-law or daughter-in-law or whatever it is, but your, your war isn't against them, amen, but your war is against this antichrist spirit that is in the world. Because Satan wants to divide and conquer. He wants to divide families. He wants to divide churches. You know, the worship, you know, in my experience um, with, with different churches that I've been to and things that I've heard is, you know, I, the devil, or Lucifer was a worshiper in heaven. He was, he was in charge of the worship in heaven. And worship teams are some of the most divided places in the kingdom of God. Because I believe Satan knows that if, if, if he can quench the spirit in that regard, because I, I say it a lot, and, and I do mean it, that uh, when you worship and you're, and you're giving praise to the Lord, the Holy Spirit, it's easier for his presence to come through to the church. Amen. It's easier for his presence to come on the speaker to tell uh, the church what the Lord wants to say. Amen. And so if he can affect that, then he can affect the church. And so Satan wants to divide. He wants to divide families. He wants to divide churches. Why do you think we have, you know, so many different denominations that war against each other, even over just the, the littlest of differences? It's because Satan wants to divide the church, right? And so our real enemy is, is, is Satan. And we understand that, that we can see people how Jesus sees people. When we know that our enemy is Satan, we can see people as not an enemy, but as somebody who we can... Uh, that can be saved and go to heaven and follow Jesus Christ. And that's how Jesus saw people in a loving and a compassionate way. How many times in the Bible that Jesus saw the multitudes and he said, I had compassion on the multitudes. And so I'm going to do this miracle. I'm going to heal. The lady that, uh, the, the, um, the, the lady that uh, wanted healing for her daughter. And he said, and Jesus said to her, um, this is not for you right now. And she said, even the dogs, you know, get the crumbs from the master's table. What did Jesus do? He had compassion. Amen. It was against the, the law of the time in there. Um, and that's not, at that time, that's not what he was there to do. He was there to preach the, preach the gospel and to, um, and primarily to the Jewish people, right? To, and then they sent it out. But what did he do? He said that, uh, he said, I have, I'm compassionate against or for you. I mean, he had compassion, and we can have compassion just like Jesus had compassion. The second thing we want to understand is that when we're talking about being hated as Christians, the world hated Jesus first. Amen. And, and tonight I want to talk a little bit broader. You know, Pastor Dave had a great message this morning about how we respond being persecuted, and uh, and as he was speaking, I realized it kind of lined up with what I wanted to talk about, except. I want to talk about how we respond just when we're hated in general. <laughs> not just persecuted as a church, but when we're, people just don't like us for whatever reason. It might not be because you're a Christian. Maybe it's because something that happened in the past. So I just want to talk about that uh, for a little bit. And John 15:18 says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Right? And so it's nothing that we did except for we followed Jesus. When it comes to hating people for our faith, hating us for our faith, and uh, and Jesus endured it with love. When I talk about the word love, I'm talking about the Greek word agape, which is unconditional love. 
there's brotherly love, which is Philadelphia. There's um, love, the phileo kind of love, uh, which is which is love as a as a friend or you know um, more of a yeah. There's a brotherly love, Philadelphia brotherly brotherly love, but phileo even a different kind of love. Love as a friend, but this agape love is this unconditional love. Amen. And and it's even hard to talk about the subject of love because it's so broad. I mean, there's so much you can say. And I even feel like I, I bit off a little bit more here than I needed to. But the word love in the Greek is agape. And, you know, before we just say, I always love people unconditionally, let's look at the, at the deeper meaning of this word, right? Because unconditional love, we think, oh, yeah, no matter what they do, I'm, I'm going to love them. And we think that's unconditional love. But really, this word even goes deeper than just that. And uh, so here's, here's my deep dive into this love. Uh, kind of a little bit better explanation. But it, my Bible expands on this word in the margin. It says, a word to which Christianity gave new meaning. Outside of the New Testament, it rarely occurs in existing Greek manuscripts of the period. So this, this word love was really a New Testament word that wasn't really used in any other manuscripts in the Greek in that period. And uh, agape denotes an undefeatable benevolence and an unconquerable goodwill that always seeks the highest good of the other person, no matter what he or she does. Amen? It always, it always looks at them higher, no matter what the circumstances are or how they treat you. It always seeks the highest good of the other person. It's the self-giving love that gives freely without asking anything in return. So we get this word unconditional, you know, kind of giving unconditional. I don't care if I get anything back, I'm just going to give. Well, this unconditional love, that's where that comes in, but that's just a small part of this agape love. It's uh, without any, asking anything in return and does not consider the worth of his object. Agape is more a love by choice than philos which is love by chance. So this agape love is a choice to love somebody. It's not, um, you know, when you meet your spouse, maybe you fell in love. You just, you just, wow, you know, you, you saw your spouse and, and uh, it's almost like you didn't have a choice. It's like you just loved your spouse from the moment you saw him. But how many know as marriage continues on, it starts to become more of a choice maybe sometimes in certain situations. Not that you still don't have that love when you first met, but there are times where as you live together and you, you have kids and do different things, and there's stresses of life, you have to choose to love, right? Choose to love your spouse, choose to love people. And so this agape love, when we choose to love people, it means that no matter what they do to wrong you, you are going to love them, right? And it refers to the will, to the will rather than the emotion, the emotion of love. Because there is an emotion of love. Again, when you first met your spouse, maybe there was this strong connection, this emotion of love. But this word agape is this will to love. Amen? And when we will to love somebody, then we can love them no matter what. We can love them unconditionally. And agape describes the unconditional love God has for the world. And so in the verse, John 3.16, For God so loved, agape the world... That he gave his only son. And there's people out there that you may have to will yourself to love. Right? Luke 6, 27 and 28. Uh, in the New King James here. And we've said this a lot. And I feel like sometimes it's easy to gloss over. But it says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. 
and pray for those who spitefully use you. And, uh, and there's a lot of words in here that I want to unpack. But good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who spitefully use you. And so I was looking in the Amplified, and I want to read that from the Amplified Classic here. And it says, but I say to you who are listening to me, now to me, in order to heed, make it a practice to love your enemies. Treat well, do good to, act nobly towards those who detest you and pursue you with hatred. So the Amplified really gets into these definitions of use and hate and curse. Detest you and pursue you with hatred. Invoke a blessing upon and pray for the happiness of those who curse you. So again, when we think of unconditional love, you know, you can say, oh, I love them no matter what, but, you know, this happened in their life, oh, that's too bad. No, it says that we want to invoke a blessing upon and pray for the happiness of. Amen? Sometimes it's easy if somebody wrongs you or is really a, mean to you or hates you or whatever to think, well, things are going bad in their life, well, that's what they get, right? But this word agape, you know, when we love people, we invoke a blessing on them. No matter what. Somebody hurts you, Lord, I just bless them in the name of Jesus. And it's a meaningful blessing, right? It's not just one, one of those, oh, God bless you. No, it's a meaningful blessing upon. And we want to pray for the happiness of those who curse you. Implore God's blessing and favor upon those who abuse you. I can see this. Say you're, you're going for a promotion at your job. And this person who couldn't, didn't want, doesn't want anything to do with you they lie about you, and they get the job ahead of you. Implore God's favor upon those who abuse you. That'd be in a form of abuse, right? If they, they're abusing their position to say, oh, so-and-so did this, he's a bad worker, he doesn't show up on time, even though if none of those are true and they get the job, this type of love still tells us, and I'm not saying, this take, probably takes a lifetime to get to, but... Implore God's blessing or favor upon those who abuse it, who revile, who reproach, who disparage, and high-handedly misuse you. And so that's what this word agape means. Amen? If we can do this, we have agape love. And this is the kind of love that Jesus had for us. Just think of humankind, how it treated God, how, is, how Israel treated God, and not to mention the enemies of Israel treated God. And God still sent his son for us with this agape love to die on the cross so that we could have eternal life with him. And so if we, if we look at, the, at 27 there, make it a practice to, make it a habit. Amen. We, there's a, the, a book, Brother Lawrence, Practicing the Presence of God. Well, we want to practice the love of God too. Amen. When we practice the agape, love of God, that means that we're practicing invoking blessings. Maybe, maybe it's something you haven't talked to in a long time. You don't even know if they like you or not anymore. We invoke blessings upon them. We want to pray for their happiness. Amen? Implore God's favor on those who maybe at one point in your life abuse you. I know everybody has a time that they can remember 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago that somebody wronged you, and you still remember that. I know every once in a while I'm doing something and like a memory pops up. I'm like, oh, wow, that was mean what that guy did or what, what he or she did. Well, the Bible says I still need to, I should pray. When I think about that, what I should do, 
and I don't always do it, what I should do is I should pray a blessing on them. I should pray for the favor of God on their life. Amen. At the bars last night, you know, we, we would pray for people, and even people that, that didn't want anything to do with us, I always, in my mind, I'd just pray for safety for them. Because it's a dangerous time to be out there. It doesn't matter if their own actions, if they're going down the wrong path or not, I still want to want to play, pray safety over them. Amen. Because Jesus, uh, because God, it says that he's long-suffering, and his will is that none should perish, but all come to repentance. Amen. And so I want them to live long enough to make Jesus at least their Lord and Savior, and if not, hopefully longer than that. Amen. So we want to practice, we want to make it a habit. For things to change, there has to be a continual effort on our part. You know, if I want to lose weight and I diet for one day, is that going to make a difference? If I, if I say, nope, Monday I'm, I'm on the straight and narrow, I'm going to eat greens. Amen. But then Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, I'm going to Pizza Ranch. I'm going to eat whatever I want. Is that going to make a difference on my diet? I don't think so. So it's like when we love people, we want to make it a habit. Because if we just love once and then the rest of the week we judge and we revile and we curse people that cursed us, then, you know, what have we done? You know, the Bible says that um, even if you prophesy, even if you do great things but you don't have love, it, it amounts to nothing, right? And so if we only love a little bit and for the rest of the week we're grouchy and we're complaining against people, well, then we're not doing what the Bible wants us to do. We want to treat them well, even if you know you're not going to talk about, or even if you know they're going to talk about you or make a hateful comment. Treat them well. You know, there's a lot of times where I'll go into a situation, or you know, I, I walk away, and I'll, and maybe not a lot of times, but where I'm talking to somebody, and I think, yeah, they're probably talking about me behind my back right now. That's life, isn't it? That's life. People are going to do that. But our job as Christians is to love agape unconditionally. Amen. So some of these words in the Amplified that we want to do, act nobly towards, invoke blessings upon, pray for the happiness, implore God's blessing and favor on them. Amen. We don't have to just do it when we see them. Amen. But when you're by yourself or with others, you know, it's easy. You know, gossip is one, it's something that the Bible talks about, something that we don't want to do. When you're, when you're talking to a friend about somebody else that has hurt you or hurt them, are you saying things to build up the conversation? Are we saying things that are, is going to be an encouragement? That is going to show the agape love of Jesus? Or are we, are we fitting into that gossip? Are we fitting in to saying things like, yeah, I don't like him either. Little things that we don't think may really matter, but the Bible says that, that um, our words, don't, they don't just disappear, right? You know, and the Bible says we're going, to be, we're going to have to account for every idle word that we say. Amen. So we want to say good things, right? We want to say good things about anybody um, to anybody in our quiet time. That's another thing is we can maybe, maybe it's easy for you to see somebody and treat them well and respect it and, and pray for them while you're there. But as soon as you go away, it's like you kind of, it's easy to forget or in your quiet time to stew about what they did to you. But this agape love is a love that lets it go that keeps no record of wrong. Amen? When we pray for somebody who would consider us an enemy, usually we don't do it right there out there in the supermarket, right? If I see him, I just want to pray for you. That's not usually how we do it. Usually it's, we're thinking about it in our quiet time. 
maybe somebody that wronged you, and in our quiet time, we're thinking, oh yeah, hey. And so that's when we want to say, Lord, I just pray a blessing on them in Jesus' name. Now, if the Lord asks you to go to, in the supermarket and just pray a blessing on them, go and do it. But usually, we're going to be in our quiet time, in our prayer time. Amen. So while we can be gracious to them in their face, how do we think about them when we're by ourselves? Is it a condescending, oh yeah, I'll pray for you? Or is it a heartfelt, hey, let's pray right now? Or when you're by yourself, actually praying for them, for good things for them. <laughs> Sometimes our prayers look like, Lord, I just pray that they don't, they're not such an idiot. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the type of agape love prayer that we want to pray, is it? <laughs> no, we want to pray blessings for favor, for happiness for them. Amen. One of my pet peeves on, you know, is on Facebook. Somebody says something about Jesus, like a post, and then somebody will comment, like you know, an atheist will comment, or somebody who doesn't agree, and they'll, they'll, they'll disagree with them on Facebook, and the Christian types, I'll pray for you, in more of a condescending way than an actual prayerful way. And, uh, you know, just even just to say, well, I'm, I'll pray for you, it's like, it's, you know, that, that verse where it says, heaping hot coals on their head. Um, you know, I think a lot of times, Christians will take that verse and mean, yeah, if I, I'll really get them if I say I'll pray for them. They're going to be really upset about that. But that's not actually what that verse means. Um, and I'll, I'll go back, I'll go into that later. But, but sometimes, you know, it's not loving. Sometimes it's, we say it just to say, I'm going to get them, I'm going to make them upset by saying, oh yeah, I'll pray for you. Right? It's like the verse in Romans 12 talks about if we help our enemies, again, we'll heap coals of fire on their head. And the meaning of that phrase is usually misunderstood. And so this, this Bible verse actually comes from Proverbs 25. They quote it, uh, Proverbs 25, 21. And it says, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For so you will heap coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will, will reward you. And so I studied this phrase, because I didn't really know what it meant. You know, I, I kind of just assumed all the time what it would mean. And uh, a lot of times we use this verse to signify if we love our enemies that it will be unbearable to them, and we are, quote-unquote, killing them with kindness. How's there, who's heard that phrase, killing them with kindness? And, um, like, if we say, I'm praying for you just to make them mad and heap coals on their head. But after I researched it, I, I actually don't believe that that's what this verse means. Um, and in the time when I studied it, it, I found that in ancient times, heated coals would be needed for cooking and a source of heat and light. So, on very cold nights, if somebody ran out of hot coals, that actually go to their neighbors and ask for coals um, to keep their place heated or for light or different things. And what they'd do, they'd carry this bowl on their head. And so peop- the, whoever their neighbor was would take the coals and put it in this bowl that would go on their head and take it back to, uh, to their house. And so to heat burning coals on someone's head doesn't mean that we're trying to make somebody uncomfortable but refers to showing kindness and giving your enemies the things that they need to survive. Amen? And uh, whether that's shelter, or whether it's physical or spiritual, so when, we, when we use that term, heap coals onto somebody's head, it's actually a, it's a helpful thing. Now, not saying that, that, the, um, that maybe they won't feel uncomfortable or they won't get upset, but that's not the reason that we do it. We didn't go out downtown last night because we were like, ooh, we're really going to make some people mad tonight by loving them. No, we didn't do that, did we? No, maybe the result was that, 
We had some people that were upset with us because we tried to hand out a track or try to tell them about Jesus. But that wasn't our goal. Our goal was just to love. Our goal was plainly just to love, to show this agape, unconditional love. And, uh, and so not only will you fulfill the need of your enemy, but the Bible says you're also going to be rewarded. So heaping these coals on somebody's head, you're fulfilling their need. You're giving them what they need. You're, you're doing exactly what Luke was saying when we, when we pray for somebody's happiness, when we pray for a blessing or a favor on their life. Because we all need Jesus. We all, need, we all want favor and blessings and happiness in our life. Right? So again, when we, when we heap coals on somebody's head, we're not killing them with kindness. You know, I know what, I know what that phrase means and, and what we're trying to get at there, but what we're really doing is we're, we're basically giving them exactly what they need in their time, in their time of need. And in, that, and in that, we are rewarded. And uh, so while I think the result of showing kindness might, again, might make them feel uncomfortable or get frustrated, um, we do it because we love them, because we care about them. We want to show this agape to them. Amen? We do it because Jesus loved us when we were enemies of him. So Romans 5, 6-10 talks about, it says, For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, you know, this word sinners really is while we were still enemies of God, while we were still, while we still had the Antichrist spirit in us, we were still sinners, Christ died for us, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So Jesus died on the cross even when we were enemies to him. Even when our agenda was contrary to his agenda. Even when our agenda was contrary to, um, to anything spiritual, he died on the cross so that we could be reconciled to God so that we could have eternal life. And I see a lot of things in the Bible and I, I, that Jesus did that God instructs us to do. I'm like, wow, Lord, how can I do that? That just, that's so... Uh, it seems so hard. And, and the Lord always reminds me about the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. Keep it simple. Amen? Keep it simple. Don't make it complicated. Amen? Agape, love, unconditional. Keep it simple. Amen? And, and so when we think, wow, this is hard, we have to know that, yeah, by ourselves this is impossible. With man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible in our life, Right? So we can do this. We can love people. We are more than conquerors. Every promise and everything that we've been instructed to do, the Lord wouldn't have instructed us to do it if it wasn't possible to do through Him. Right? So as Christians, we follow Christ's example. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. As Christians, we have Jesus on the inside of us and we allow Him to shine through us. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live, in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So again, even when we were enemies of his, he died for us. And there's still people who would consider themselves enemies against God, who still war against God, and he gave his life for them too. Right? In fact, he's still long-suffering toward them. Second Peter 2.8 Beloved, do not, beloved be, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. 
Have you ever tried to be nice to someone who is mean to you and you get to the point where like you've had it? It's like, I can't do this anymore. I can't show love. I can't be nice to this person because they've wronged me so many times. You know, Jesus said when Peter asked, Lord, how many times do I forgive my brother? Seven times? Is that good enough? And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. What does that mean? He wasn't, he wasn't giving a, a complete number. He was just saying every time. I mean, that's really what Jesus was getting at, right? Because how many times, I mean, 70 times 7, getting wronged, that's a lot. What was he saying? He said, no, when he wrongs you, just forgive him. If you get wronged, just forgive them. Doesn't mean you have to continue to do it, get wronged by them, and put yourself in positions. But we want to just do it. We want to just forgive. We want to just show that agape love. And Jesus is long-suffering to those who still haven't received his gift. And this word long-suffering in the Greek um, is makrathumeo. Uh, and this word is used in the context to be patient in bearing the offense and injury of others. That's what this word long-suffering means, that we're patient when we bear the offense and the injury of others, to be mild and slow in avenging, to be long-suffering, slow to anger, slow to punish. So this isn't talking about, uh, like in the gospel where Jesus said, if they don't receive you, shake off the dust of your sandals. That's not what this is talking about. We want to be patient with those in our life who hurt us or who offend us. And realize that they're maybe not even trying to hurt us or offend us, but they're trying to hurt him or offend him. Right? And notice it doesn't say that we want to get even with these people, but bear the offense. We take it. It's not like, you know, sometimes it's easy to want to say, well, you owe me an apology. No, the Bible says that we want to be long-suffering towards people. Sometimes that means taking the offense. Sometimes that means um, enduring it and then saying, Lord, I just, I'm, I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to just shake it off. I'm not going to bring it up. Even if they don't know they offended me, I'm not going to bring it up. You know, and that's really the Holy Spirit's job anyways, isn't it? The Holy Spirit sometimes, I, Lord, brings something to my mind. I'm like, wow, I wonder how they, when I said that, I wonder what, how they took that. You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit will bring it back to me, saying, you need to go and you need to say you're sorry. Amen? But when we're long-suffering, sometimes we have to take that offense. We have to take it, shake it off, give it to the Lord, cast our cares on Him, and keep going. And we definitely don't want to try to get them back. Romans 12, 21 says, Do not become, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Doing good to everybody, being good to every, everybody, amen, regardless of how they treat us. Every time I read how Jesus said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they do. Or every time I read when Stephen is getting stoned and he looks up and he cries out with a loud voice. Pastor Dave mentioned this morning, um, and, he, and, he, and he said, Lord, do not charge this sin against them. I always realize, wow, I got a long ways to go. I, there's so much room to grow in those areas. Amen. And just real quick, I'm just going to close with 1 Corinthians 13. You know, last night we had some people that were polite, some people that weren't, um, some people that were contrary to us. Don't allow offenses to come when somebody's contrary to you. Especially when it's coming, when it goes for speaking the truth, speaking the gospel. Because remember, again, that the world hates you because of Jesus, but he hated Jesus first. The world hated Jesus first, right? 
You know, one thing I really like just about just about any time any time that our ministry is out out there and witnessing to people, whether it's an organized thing or it's just at the grocery store or whatever, is um, it helps us. It, you know, when when we get adverse things happen to us, it helps us for when the stakes become really high, right? So this right now, I wouldn't even you know there yeah people we got you know cussed at and different things like that. That's not even persecution. That's just a, a pushing against what the Lord is trying to do. I don't even feel like that's a persecution. So when we do that and we can rejoice, you know, that, that's another verse that really pushes me is when they were beaten and then they go away and they're thankful that we were able to suffer shame for the Lord's sake. That, that pushes me, one of, that's one of the verses that pushes me more than any other verse in the Bible because it's like, wow, you know, can you imagine how they're feeling? You know, we don't go by feeling, but how they were feeling. And for them to still raise their hands up and say, Lord, I just thank you that we can suffer shame. Lord, thank you that we could get flogged and beaten. Who for your glory. Oh, man. Amazing. Agape love, right? So I'm going to close with 1 Corinthians 13. And the Bible says, and, and you know, in this, you know, we can put ourselves in place of love, right? Um, God is love. Jesus lives in us and works through us. So as I read this, think of that, think of your name, you know, in front of these. And I'm going to add something else. Think of the word always after these. So love always suffers long and is kind always. Love does not envy ever. Love does not parade itself ever. It's not puffed up ever. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked and it thinks no evil ever does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth always. It always bears all things. It always believes all things. It always hopes all things, and it always endures all things. Love never fails. You know, and then, I didn't put it up there, but the rest of that goes, you know, prophecies fail, uh, knowledge will fail, tongues will fail, eventually, right? Not right now, but eventually. Um, And you just think that really the only two constants, right, are the Word, who is Jesus. And love. Because even hope. You know, when we get to heaven, we're not going to have to hope anymore. <laughs> we're going to be there. When we get to heaven, we're, gonna ha- we're not going to have to have faith. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When we get, when we get to heaven, we're going to see everything that has been promised to us. So love, you know, the greatest, love never fails. And now abided in faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Out of those three, love is the only one that doesn't fail. It's the only one that doesn't, um, uh, that doesn't go away. It doesn't pass away. Faith, hope, and love abide. But I also want to say abide in faith. Abide in hope and abide in love. And that word abide means to stay in it. Don't leave it. To remain in it. And one of my favorite definition is to live in it. Live in love. Amen. Live in love towards people. Jesus says in John, abide in me and allow my words to abide in you. So when we abide in love, it means that we're living in it. Amen. We're living in this love that God had for us, this agape that he loved, he loved us with. So we want to live in love, amen, especially when it comes to people. Amen? Hallelujah. Sorry I went over a little bit, but Father, we just thank you for this agape love that you've just showered us with um, from, from the very beginning. That you've never hated us, you've never not loved us, but this unconditional love, no matter what we've done to wrong you, that you've loved us, Lord, and help us to have that same love on the inside of us that, that is on the inside of us because Jesus is in there. 
Lord, help us to show that to people, especially people that don't like us, especially people that hate us, revile us, that curse us, Lord, that we can just show this unconditional agape love to them all the time. Hallelujah. If it wasn't in your word um, that, tell, that you told us to do it, um, then we know it would be impossible. But it is in your word, and we know that it's possible to have this agape love towards people. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you. Even right now, as people think about offenses that they've had, as people think about, as we think about um, people that have wronged us in any way, Lord, I thank you that those are even just going away, that we're casting those on you so that we can use this agape love that you've given us, Lord. Hallelujah. I just thank you for this, uh, this amazing, word, the word that you've given us. It's so important, Lord. And I just thank you that as we go about our week this week, Lord, that we can show and we can consciously make a decision to love people, that we can will to love people with this agape, um, blessing, favor, wanting happiness kind of love, Lord. And we just give you all the praise and glory, Lord. I thank you that I just declare a blessing on everybody here tonight, Father, and we give you all the praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.